This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How the hell are you doing? I'm Chuck. And I am Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes, Google, Stitcher Play, wherever the hell you get your podcast. Just search Metal Sucks Podcast and you are going to find us. Why? Because you want it to come to your device. You don't want to have to hunt this thing down. You can have it delivered right to you. Easy, man. You don't have to go searching like you're looking at your Pokemon or whatever. You can have it right there. You don't have to catch it and put it in a ball or anything like that. Or, of course, if you want to hunt it down, I know the place to go. Metalsucks.net. Every single Monday, that's where we post it. Click on the podcast tab at the top of the page, and you can find all of our past podcasts right there. So, hook up with us there, you know, every week. You can also hook up with us on social media. I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook, Spotify, and Twitch. Everywhere else, I tell you. And, of course, uh, at Chuck and Godless on Instagram and at Chuck and Godless dot uh, com. Yeah, that's uh, that's our Patreon. So uh, you get us there as well. Please yeah. drop us like you know, just like a quarter an episode, maybe a buck an episode. We got a couple got, more like, supporters. So we got a couple more supporters this good, week. Good, good, so, yeah, because yeah, we got a bunch of really cool stuff that we're adding up there. We were talking a few months ago about how we were going to start throwing all this kick-ass content, and 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 now we're really been able to start doing that. Yeah, it's been cool. Yeah, the extra Dave Revocation stuff. Mm-hmm. The uh, we got uh, do, you got the second episode of Raise Godless up uh, up there. Yet, I think. No, no, no. Not yet. Maybe hopefully by the time this, yeah, by the time this goes up, we should hopefully have that on there by now. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, that that should be up there. So yeah, we're getting that. We're getting that. So yeah, a lot of extra content for you. You also get the uh, podcast delivered a couple of days in advance. Usually, I'm done by you know done with uh, producing, editing, all that stuff by Saturday. So you'll have the podcast a couple of days in advance, which is kind of cool. So you get all that stuff way ahead of everybody else, which is kind of funny because I had somebody like respond to something we said in the podcast and i was like how the fuck did they find out about oh well it's one of our patreon guys i was like all right cool Uh, because somebody tweeted something at me and i was like huh that's not even live yet oh okay oh kick ass man well in this episode we got a we got a good one uh kind of uh well our guest is good brian slagle of course of uh, metal blade records he's uh he's a bad mamma jamma and has been for 35 years now uh worth of metal blade and um and we are pretty much we go farley on his ass uh you think about like all the things that would have never happened without brian slagle oh dude dude, no metallica no slayer no uh 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 freaking jesus like like almost nothing like Mm. most of metal wouldn't have happened without this guy and you know people talk about the mount rushmore of metal and they're like oh yeah yeah you got to put like uh, this artist uh, or that artist or yeah Brian Slagle should be on the Mount Rushmore metal, whether it's musicians or non-musicians or whatever. The dude is, I mean, it's almost inarguable. Well, you he's, know? he's one of those signers of the Constitution that was never a president. You know what I'm saying? Like that sort of thing. He's a he, a founder of the, of the bedrock of what we do, what we are as uh, a metal community and uh, a genre of music. 
but you know he's never he's not making it he's finding it discovering it and uh, and we basically just go hey remember that remember that record that you put out that that was awesome that was really cool when you did that that was kind of cool uh, you realize like my notes my like my notebook it was just I filled know. with questions Same and here. then like oh my god like there's lines through things as we're know, doing it and then there's arrows going different places and I, uh, I just didn't I know where it was going to go and then it went everywhere I know I was the same way man it was so funny because we even talk about it toward the end of the interview it's like dude okay uh let us apologize now for just like shotgunning <laughs> this interview because it's all we go all over the place in this one and can uh, i just say that one of the coolest things about slagle all right so so you talk about the mount rushmore of industry for metal right for me like those four heads are pretty pretty solid right you got wait can i got, guess uh, okay go ahead can i guess and see okay so you got slagle uh, yes you're gonna have sharon osborne Absolutely. You're going to have Gloria Cavallera. Perfect. And you're going to have Monty Connor. That's you nailed it, man. Boom. That is that is it. And and we've got we've we've talked to half those heads, man. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Only two to go. Well, so no, I see I I, I know you pretty well. You know, I, I can yeah. figure this stuff out. Yeah, that makes sense yeah. to me. And all those actually are are totally legit. I think that would be a, a legit Mount Rushmore. Now you might have to add some smaller ones below it somewhere, but you know there, there, there's 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 a few more people involved. Uh, but but no, I mean he he's such a nice guy and and he's such a down to earth dude and still does so much day to day operating of of a label when he really you know wouldn't have to do that if he didn't have to you know. Well, that's what we asked him, and he mm-hmm. says he does. Yeah, I know. I think he's lying. Like, you should, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brian Slegel. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, that's what we did this entire. Oh, geez, let's get into it, and then we'll play it for you, and uh, you can uh, you can mock us in the comments after it's all over, man. Brian Slegel on the Metal Sucks podcast. going on how you doing it's chuck and godless from the metal sucks podcast man hey man how you doing doing well doing well dude it's been it's great to talk to you man we've been talking about trying to get you on for almost three years three now years. since we started the podcast <laughs> yeah sorry uh, i was a little tardy today my day got a little crazy Oh, no worries, man. I mean, you know, I'm I stalk you on Facebook, so I see uh, you know you're an international man of metal mystery, so you're all over the place. Yes, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to do anything at this point? Do I have to do anything? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I can uh, not do anything. Well, I mean, you could I, like like just like ah, I've decided I'm moving to Costa Rica. Fuck off, world. You know, like. You could do that, right? Uh, no, I could not do that. Uh, I would. There would be way too many, way too many things I would have to deal with, and I definitely uh, wouldn't live in Costa Rica that that long, probably without running out of resources. Well, I mean, is that a matter of choice? Is that something that that you you still are hands on day to day? This is all part of uh, part of what you want to do. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think you know, if 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 I were go- going to do that, I'd have to have like a three- or four-year plan to, to figure things out and wind things down. So I suppose theoretically at some point it could happen, but uh, no, I don't ever want to do that. I, I It's too much fun doing this. Well, it's fun and a nightmare at the same time, I suppose, but uh, <laughs> but ultimately it's way too much fun. And I, I would get bored super easy. I, I, don't, I don't ever want to retire if that's 
humanly possible. I was half expecting you to be doing pulling like a, all right, yeah, there's going to be like a golden ticket and these CDs, and, and one of the people with the golden ticket someday gets to take over Metal Blade Records, you know, and it'd be like the, the shiznit, you know, because I'd be buying up CDs like crazy. Which yeah, no, years. not yet. Not yet. I'd have to be diagnosed with some terminal disease before that would happen, probably. Oh, see, but that'd be no fun. Then you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have the t- the time to spend at the end. You know, you, yeah, exactly. You want to be able to relax. But I mean, it sounds like you still are like having fun and enjoying yourself doing this day to day work. It's work. It's tough. It's a lot, a lot of shit on your plate. But at the same time, you still seem like you're a fan. Well, yeah, totally. I mean, I love the music. Uh, I'm a super fan still. So you know, it excites me to you know work with cool people and you know, find new bands and turn them on to, you know, the, the public and have them like it. So, you know, all that stuff still gets me super excited. And, you know, we, we work with so many great people, not, you know, the people who work at the label and the artists. And, you know, for the most part, everybody's super easy and fun. So, yeah, it's, it, it's something good. The, f- the feeling seems to be mutual from those that we talked to. Can we play a clip real quick? Kettleblade, there have been, and, and Brian Slagle. And Mike Bailey, they've been pretty much our patron demons, Wars link to uh, the human race. And uh, Metal Blade is, uh, I think, the best, the best metal uh, label out there. From an interview we did with uh, Dave Brocky way back when, uh, oh, just yeah. weeks before. Peace. Rest in peace, for sure. But uh, that seems to be the sentiment from, you know, not only guys like Dave Brocky, but every Metal Blade artist that we've interviewed over the years, they seem to have nothing but glowing things to say about your label. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad. And, and I mean, the feeling is definitely mutual. I mean, we, you know, we love working with the bands and it, it's a partnership and, you know, we, you know, we try to work with people that we like and hopefully they like us as well. So that creates a good environment to be creative and do stuff. So, so yeah, look, you know, if we ever got to a point where, <clears throat> you know, there were, we weren't getting along with somebody we probably wouldn't work with them but for the most part it's been it's been good you know I'm, I mean it's great to hear that that from the band so like I said I would say right back to them I mean it's it's an honor to, to work with all of them and it, it, uh, it's a lot of fun how much of that is sort of an education process you need to do with them a, 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 an ability to sort of set expectations and that sort of thing yeah I mean there's part of that for sure but I, I think you know whenever we start talking to a band or start working with a band, you, you kind of have a pretty good vibe of what they're going to be like. You can Doing this for so long, I think I'm a fairly decent judge of, of people at this point, so you can, you know, you go into it, you know, pretty much kind of thinking what they're going to be like, And but you do have to, you know, when you're courting them or when you're talking about a, a record deal, you, you do try to set parameters like, look, this is what we do, this is how we're going to do it, and, you know, if that's cool with you guys, then let's work together. If, it's, if there's something you hear that you want that we can't give you then, you know, by all means, you know, you go find some players. But, you know, we don't buy into bands. We don't hype them up saying, oh, you're going to be the greatest thing. We're going to sell millions of records and all that sort of nonsense. I don't think that is the way to, to do things, really. So, you know, we're real, very realistic about it, and you know, we approach it in that way and try to get the bands on board from day one, and then it's a, it's a good, easy working partnership. We spoke to a band recently who had a really bad experience with another label, and they they had certain expectations going into it, you know. I didn't, oh yeah, we're seventeen. We have record contract. Yay! You know, how do you set those expectations with a band coming in for the first time into Metal Blade Records? Well, we're very realistic when it comes to that sort of stuff, especially with young bands, because you know they sometimes get wide eyed, and you know we tell them all like, like first of all, 
this is the easiest part of your life. Getting a record deal is the easiest part. Now is when the real work begins. And, you know, we're starting from, from square one and, you know, look at all the bands, you know, whether it be Metallica or Slayer or Cannibal Corpse or whomever. It took these bands years and years and years before they ever got to the point of being successful. So, you know, you're, we're starting now, but it's going to take a long time. And, you know, you guys have to be in it for, for the long haul and it's not easy. And, you know, and we don't ever set expectations of, you know, we got to sell this amount the first week, or we got to do this, or it's a, <clears throat> I guess the, this easy, stupid cliche is it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. And, you know, we want to, you know, when we sign with a band, like, look, we, we would like, we'd love to work with you in 10, 15, 20 years and have, it, have you have a long career. Uh, but even that, you know, we don't control that, too. You know, you just don't know what the public's going to say or what they're going to think, so... You know, I think if you lay it out as realistic as possible, then that, that mitigates the, the, the potential of like, well, we thought we were going to get this, or you said you were going to do this, and you didn't do it. It's like, well, I, I don't want, I'm not going to tell you anything that we, we won't do. Yeah, well, I mean, I think everybody's nowadays has got to be can see the forest for the trees when it comes to the the record industry as well, because I mean, it's not easy to sell an album these days. Yeah, and I think it's a lot easier now too. I mean, you know, when you go back to like the late '80s or you know the '90s when the business was crazy and you had all these people getting involved that knew nothing about metal and kind of really messed it up, and they really you know screwed over a lot of bands and created a, a bad scenario. But I mean, look, people involved now. You know, all the metal labels and stuff. Everybody's involved now. Love, we all love the music. We're all here about the music. There's, you know, nobody's making, uh, nobody's making a fortune doing this at this point. You're doing it for the love of it. And hopefully you can make enough money that you can be comfortable and, you know, not have to, you know, be living in a car or something. Yeah. yeah. That must have been insane, like, just being there on, on, at Ground Zero when, like, Rat blows up all of a sudden and and finally a distortion pedal is hear, heard on the radio. I mean... There was nothing like that at the time. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's really crazy. Like, you know, some of the, I mean, you know, uh, obviously one of the bigger examples, of course, is Metallica. <clears throat> you know, every once in a while, because I'm still really good friends with those guys, you know, we'll sit around and, go, and you know, be hanging out at, <clears throat> you know, one or two in the morning with a couple of adult beverages going, how the hell did all this happen? Because when you look back to the, the early days, I mean, we were just all, especially in the early, early days, just all people, again, people that love metal, that were in for the music. We never thought in a million years that any of this stuff would ever blow up. In fact, you mentioned Rat, and a funny Rat story was they, you know, obviously they were part of those, those little L.A. scene there, and they were opening for this band Bitch, which was an early Metal Blade signee, <clears throat> and I remember Robin Crosby came up to me after the gig, and he said, you know, we just can't find any fans, you know, I don't know what we're going to do, you know, this is really tough, and said, ah, don't worry, man, you, you'll, you'll, well, you'll be okay. Unfortunately, he wasn't in the long run, but the band obviously ended up ex- exploding. So even back in the in the days when they were first playing around, I mean, it was it was difficult for everybody. I don't think anybody ever thought that all of a sudden, you know, this thing was going to blow up, and yet it did. The sort of like fine line that I don't hear as being a fine line between like the hair rock, as we call it now, or the hard rock and metal. That wasn't so clear back then. And you see that in Metal Blade's early signings. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, look, look <clears throat> I also like a wide variety of stuff. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why we've probably been able to be around for so long is, you know, I'm not just, I'm not only like, okay, I only like, you know, this type of music, or I only like death metal, or any, you know, that's all we're going to sign. I'm like, hey, well, I like a lot of different stuff. And, 
I think over the years we've tried to sign things from all, kind of all over the map, you know, here and there. Just, you know, if I think it's good and cool, then, you know, and the people involved are cool, then it's fun to work with. And, yeah, in the early days, I mean, honestly, Rad and Motley Crue, when I first saw them, by the way, the Troubadour for a dollar on a Wednesday night, <laughs> uh, they were both super heavy, all black leather. You know, Rat in the in their early stages was, I mean, they were super heavy, all black leather. They they were like Judas Priest. They had you know playing flying V's, and even Motley was was really super heavy. And then it kind of they kind of geared a little bit more towards the commercial. But yeah, the lines were really blurred for a while, and then the lines became very much like, you know, if you like Queensrÿche, you can't like Slayer or whatever, and then. You know, Fade No More eventually kind of, I think, tore down a lot of that stuff in the early 90s. And then it started to go the other way in the late 90s, where if you don't, if you like new metal, you can't like this, and ah, now, yeah. Yeah, that's always the way it is. I mean, I think it's the same way now, too. You know, if you like certain types of music, you're not, it's not as bad as it used to be, but there's certainly, you know, if you're in a specific type, you're pretty much closed off to anything outside of that. In those early days, you're running that label on your own. It's 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 you. Who was your first hire, and how hard was that to make? And then how did you learn how to delegate? Yeah, all of those things were extremely difficult because I didn't really have any sort of background on anything. I guess the only smart thing I did when I was in college is I did take some business courses, so I had a very rudimentary knowledge of how it worked. So the, the I guess the first kind of official metal blade employee after me doing it by myself for three years was Bill Matoyer, who was also an engineer at the time. So that was pretty easy. That was pretty much like, you know, we're doing all this stuff anyway. Can you help me with a few things here? But at some point we actually hired like a secretary and that was kind of weird. Like, wow, there's a real employee here. And then, you know, as you hire more people, you make mistakes and you, you know, you do all the things that you normally do in, in running a business and you just learn from, from those mistakes. You know, you, some things work, some things don't work. And definitely delegating took me a very, very long time to, to really figure that out. Cause, but as you said, I was doing it all by myself for three years. And then saying, no, 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 I can do all this stuff. And people, no, we'll help you with this. And so eventually over time, uh, I've been able to learn how to do that. But it took a long time and a lot of, a lot of mistakes and probably a lot of, you know, extra work that I probably didn't need to do uh, doing it myself. Right. Uh, it was funny. It was uh, like I said. I stalked you on Facebook. I love the uh, th- throwback Thursdays that you had posted of the old, the original fanzines, like from way, uh, from way, way back then. When it's like it's all the handwritten stuff and all that. It's like that's that that's so much fun that you actually have that still have the record of all that stuff and didn't like lose it. Yeah, I mean, well, we lost a lot of stuff in the in the '94 earthquake in Northridge. All of our archives, like our old pictures and bios, and everything was in this uh, public storage place in Northridge. Got completely, 100 percent destroyed in the earthquake. So we lost everything. But some stuff I kept, like I kept the fanzines and a few other things I had copies of. But we did lose a lot. By the way, if you're going to stalk me, don't stalk me on Facebook because I'm not on Facebook that much. But Instagram and Twitter, I'm on all the time. So that's well, a good way to stalk. Me. I'm there. All, I'm, I'm on all of them, man. I'm on. Good man, good man. So how many of those early tasks that you're giving out are, uh, to other people to do, are they the things that you don't want to do or the things that you're not good at or just the stuff that you think they should be doing? How did you figure that out? Probably a variety of, of, of all those things. I mean, you know, some things I just like, you know, artwork and doing that sort of thing I wasn't particularly very good at. So as soon as I found somebody that knew what they were doing, it's like, okay, great, you do this, because I'm not sure what I'm doing. And, yeah, a lot of it becomes, you know, stuff that either I wasn't really good at doing or I just 
you know, I didn't have a lot of time, so I felt, well, if I, you know, if I do this, I mean, ultimately, I, you know, even today, I, you know, for me, working directly with the bands and kind of, you know, helping them with whatever they need is probably my, my biggest job. And then all the other stuff that comes in running a business, you try to delegate to different people. And then over the course of time, you know, you need a publicity person. I'm not a publicity person. I did it. But, you know, we find somebody to do that. And then radio and then, you know, all the, the stuff that you normally do. It's like, well, these people know what they're doing way more than I do. So let, let them do. So what do you feel are your strongest suits over the 30 years? I guess there's a couple of things. I mean, definitely I think I, I'm lucky enough to, to find stuff. You know, my musical tastes tend to be very similar to a lot of others, thank goodness. So, so a lot of stuff that I like that we find other people tend to like. So that certainly has been very helpful. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, there, is running a, there is the task of running a business and how you run a business that I guess is, is, is another thing I think we, you know, I think the label overall between, you know, employees and bands and everything is a pretty, a pretty fun, good place to be. And there's certainly a, a way you have to be to, to make that sort of, sort of work. And, you know, even just on the financial end of things, how to do it. Because, look, it, it would have been very easy, you know, it would still be very easy for me today to just, like, sell the whole thing and say, okay, you know, Warner Brothers or Sony, here, you guys have it. And they're still going to make me run it. And then you, you know, then it's a whole different ballgame. But you take away all the freedom that you have. Like, if I wake up in the morning at 9 a.m. and decide, like, I want to do this today, I can just do it. I don't have to ask anybody else to do it. Um, And that, to me, is so much fun, the the creative freedom to be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, with nobody above us saying you have to do it this way. That's super important. I think that sort of independent mentality helps with a lot of things that we do. That's what cool. was the last thing that you did that, that would have been like, there's no way anybody would let you do that if you didn't have total control? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, certainly a lot of the artwork and stuff that we <laughs> that we put out, people would probably be like, well, what are you putting that artwork and stuff out for? That's a little crazy. But, you know, we, we like to push the envelope. So, you know, the band comes to us and they have some artwork that is kind of, a little, a little over the top, or all four, or even just in, in terms of packaging. You know, um, a lot of times on this last amount of Mars record, for example, like and we partnered with Sony on that one, but we did a lot of stuff that they didn't do or they weren't used to doing, just in terms of you know extra packaging or tchotchkes or just other stuff that that normally you know labels don't do. But it's like we're fans, so we want this to be as nice as humanly possible. We don't care if we spend extra money to make this look really cool. And, you know, our version in the U.S., you know, the, I know the band likes it a little bit better than the, the version that came out in Europe. But we had that a, a few different times. So there's stuff like that, that. There's no way that they would allow us to have the freedom to do all the stuff we did around that Almada Mars record if, we, if I had to go ask people at Sony. Because not only is it the freedom to do stuff, but they also have, like, you know, you can't do... There's all sorts of crazy things that you have to run when getting stuff approved at a major label. So, like, uh, do you th- do you feel like that's uh, also having a sense of who your audience is better than somebody that's on that level, like that's the gigantic mega corporation uh, versus versus being a little more boutique? You got an, a handle on your audience, know that the the Amon Marth fans will buy this shit. Sure, oh, totally. I mean, you know, we, I mean, we're fans just like everybody else. Is. So, I think you know what, what we do is we just do stuff that we think is really super cool. And, you know, 
luckily when we do that stuff, the fans think, think it's super cool too. So ultimately we're all just, you know, everybody that works in the label, I mean, we're all fans. So we just do what, like, wouldn't it be cool if, if somebody did this? Well, let's just do it. And then we do it. And luckily everybody else out there seems to, to like what we do as well. So I think, you know, we're fans. You, you're not going to find a whole lot of metal heads over in any of these major labels. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I'm just lucky. My, my, uh, well, I consider myself unlucky. My wife made me not click, uh, by now on those damn Amonomarth bobbleheads from, I think it was Twilight of the Thunder God that I, yeah. uh, that I still regret not buying. I'm like, damn it. Brian, you know how like, like, all right. So at a poker table, there's a, a, a thing where you always remember your bad beats, but you never remember the bad beats you put on other people. Do you have that when you look back at the history where you go, oh, I wish, considering all the successes that you've had, are those, those are there those things that got away or those bad things that happened that still haunt you at all? Well, I mean, definitely nothing haunts you, that's for sure. I mean, there, look, you know, looking back, certainly in the early days, if I knew what I knew now, I mean, you know, we could have signed Metallica and Motley Crue and a lot of these bands if I had any money or any wherewithal. But, you know, I mean, look, I was lucky enough to be around in that early time period and, you know, have a little, you know, a little hand in some of that stuff, and that's all well and good. And, you know, there's a couple things you, you miss. Out. Probably the biggest thing, the one thing I don't know that, I, you know, I don't beat myself up over, but I was definitely like, man, I, I royally screwed that one up, was, was Guns N' Roses. Because when they were playing around L.A., their manager, I knew their manager really well, and she kept saying, you've got to come see these guys. They're really great. They're really great. And all this buzz. And I'm like, I hate glam. It's not, I'm just not into it. And I just thought they're glam band. She kept telling me, they're not, they're not. I'm like, ah. So I never went to see them. So the Appetite for Destruction comes out. I put the cassette, which is how it was back then, oh, yeah. <laughs> into the tape player and, and press play. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? I think it's incredible so uh, we actually the, it, we did end up doing some some marketing promotion for the for the record i became friendly with the guys in the band and stuff and the first time i ever met slash we were i was at an iron maiden seventh son of a seventh son listening party in hollywood and it turned out we had some mutual friends so anyway we were drinking you know a bunch of jack daniels at night and towards the end of the evening we were both a little a little uh, <clears throat> a little inebriated i suppose and he goes how come you ever came to see us and i go ah, i thought you guys were a glam band he's like oh i hate that people thought that I go, yeah, tell me. <laughs> well, one-hit wonders, right? I mean, yeah, you know, you know, they, you know, they did okay, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. It's, it's, it's no big deal. So I guess, you know, it's a lot of talk about the past. Now, I kind of want to talk about, like, the future. I know you don't have a crystal ball. I know you can't predict the future, but so much has changed just in the last five to ten years in the in the record industry. How is Metal Blade coping with all of these changes? Well, I mean, we've never been afraid to to accept and embrace change. I think, you know, because we've been through so much of it. You know, a lot of people are just like, oh, no, it's, things, you know, things can't change. This is terrible. But I'm like, oh, let's, you know, let's, let's roll with it with the punches, more or less. You know, I mean, we were the... You know, we were the first label that had a, a web page. We were the first label that had a Twitter page. The first label that had a, an Instagram page, and all those sort of stuff. So we, you know, we embraced all of that. And I mean, honestly, the social media stuff has been a massive help for us in terms of you know getting you know having a relationship with the fans, getting information out to them. You know, ten of the last eleven major releases that we've put out in the last two years or so. Of, of larger bands, obviously, have been the biggest first week and scans and sales and everything uh, that any of their careers. We, you know, I think that 
most of that is due to social media and the fact that, you know, you've got this amazing tool that you can use to get information to people so they can, so they can hear it. So whatever the, whatever's coming along in the future, whether it's, and same thing with even, you know, streaming services. I mean, we were admittedly late to the streaming service thing, as were all the metal labels, but I also remember that we were late to the iTunes thing, too, when it first came out, because same thing happened. You know, iTunes offered great deals to the majors, and they didn't offer very good deals to the independents, and we're like, we're not, I'm not going to sign a deal with anybody until we get the same label, same deal as, as the major labels do. It was the same thing with streaming. But now, once that finally happened, and, you know, we're in there and embracing it and working with them, it's been great. And it is, you know, it is what they tell you it is, which is an extra revenue stream. So, so it's working. So you just have to put all these different things together and, and, and make it work. And so far, it's working. You know, things change. But only thing I will say, though, that, you know, keeps uh, not only Metal Blade, but all the other metal labels in business and the bands and everything is metal fans, man, they support this stuff like crazy. And thank you, everybody out there, for for buying stuff. You know, they still buy stuff. It's almost like a badge of honor. Like, I bought the CD. I bought the download. You know, I did all this. And that's keeping us all uh, all alive. That's for sure. So hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, that continues. <laughs> when we talked to Jamie Jasta a couple weeks ago, he was just like so down on Spotify and the streaming services. And it was like, if, I, if we could get all the metal labels together to just do their own streaming service, we could do it. I mean, is he right? Is he wrong? Well, I mean, well, look, the bottom line is, and I'm not going to single out any, any band, is the right now the major labels are making a fortune on streaming. But that's not trickling down to the artists yet because, you know, and I don't want to sit here and bash major labels all, all day long because a lot of them do a lot of great stuff. And we have a phenomenal partnership with Sony and they've been amazing with us, but um, I think that, you know, and it's really up to the bands, too. I mean, you know, you, you, the bands have to kind of, kind of fight for getting their fair share of that sort of stuff, because there is money coming in, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's not a massive amount of money, but it, it's becoming, you know, somewhat, somewhat significant, and the bands need, need to get their fair share. The bands who are getting you know, a, a good share of it uh, are obviously happy, but you know, some other bands that, that maybe don't have the best deals or don't have the, uh, uh, for whatever reason, they're they're able, they're not getting their fair share. Then, then that's a, a, a bit of a, a tough thing. I don't know that labels all starting their own version of Spotify is going to help. I think the best thing is get the best deal from Spotify you can get, partner with them so that they they help promote your stuff. And then you, you kind of go from there. I mean, I mean honestly, you know, it, my philosophy in the way the business is now and what we do as a label is our job is to develop the brand. And I hate to sound super corporate, but develop the brand. Like, you know, I'm developing the brand of Amana Mars or I'm developing the brand of Jim Brewer or whatever artist we have. And the bigger that artist's brand is, then the music sales and everything else will, will come along with it. So I think if you if you think that way and and look at a big picture of, of making yourself as big as possible, then you're going to get more money for concerts, more T-shirt sales, and more money for music. And you know you can you can make it work. It's not easy, but it, it can be done if all the partners are in it for the same reason. Getting artists to think about the way that they everything goes, you know, not just streaming, not just uh, their online presence, not just their live performance and all that. It's all a 360 degree 
Well, like you say, it's a brand, and it, that seems like a new term for a lot of lot of artists that are that are doing this. Yeah, totally. And, but you know, you you will see. I think you know. It, it, I mean, it makes everybody work a lot harder. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and but you know, you see it with bands. You know, a lot of artists is a really great example of a band that's been around for a long time. But if you don't up your game on a record, they may, and my opinion, they maybe their best record ever on this flat, their 10th record in. And then they're upping their game live. They've got this massive stage show. And, you know, they're upping their game everywhere to, to, to continue to move up, up the runs. And, and, you know, fans appreciate that. Like, if I'm a fan, I go to a show, like, I want to see Vikings battling on stage with gigantic friggin' horns and whatever on stage. It's like, that's freaking awesome, man. That's, that's amazing, as opposed to, you know, just going to see a band play a bunch of songs wearing black. You know, it's... It, it, you got to really work hard, and you got to make sure that whatever you're doing is one step ahead of everybody else. You know, I mean, it just is what it is. And if you're so, doing all of that, you'll be successful. So, if Johan called you up uh, uh, tomorrow, hypothetically, and said, "Hey, look, I would like to be making more money off of my Spotify streaming," do you say, "Okay, we'll call," or you should call your publisher and they should call, or just send in a request to the Spotify support at Spotify dot com? <laughs> Well, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I think, you know, for, I mean, we've never had any complaints yet from any of the bands on Spotify. We, you know, we pay, you know, we, we spend a lot of money to, to pay royalties. And, and look, that's the most exciting thing to me. Is I, I like paying royalties. I want us to have bands they get royalties. And, you know, Spotify is, you know, for a band like a lot of Mars, I mean, they're going to, you know, they're going to get chunky paychecks uh, uh, for, for their spot. And they are getting Chucky paycheck for their, for their Spotify stuff. I think what you're talking about kind of happened before. Like I said, we were really late. I mean, all the labels, you know, Blast and Century Media and us, we were all really late to the, to the streaming game, mostly because, you know, they weren't going to give us the right deals. And then once we got the right deals and stuff got out there, I mean, we're seeing, you know, what I think we're two years in. I mean, there's, you know, real, real money coming in and, and, you know, bands are seeing it in their royalty statements. It's like, oh, there's an extra $15,000 from Spotify. That's not terrible. Yeah, you know? that's good news. So are so, these yeah, people... It's, it's, it's getting there. The musicians who, like, post, like, a photo of their check for a buck sixty-nine or whatever it is, they're, they're full of shit, or it's just old news, or what? Oh, God, no, there's there's tons of them doing that, for, for sure. And I think the big problem with, like, again, the metal fans, I cannot say this enough, are the most amazing... I guess metal and country, where they're the two fans that, that really support the artists. But, you know, they're still buying... They're still buying the downloads. They're still buying the physical stuff, you know, all those sort of things. So the, the, the streaming income is a small portion of their overall royalties. However, there's a lot of other bands that, you know, that, that they don't sell any physical stuff, and they're getting, and yeah, you know, a lot of times you're not getting a, a whole lot of money from Spotify, but it also depends on your record deal. If you signed a bad record deal, then you're probably going to get not very much. So, you know, it's kind of... You know, and yes, if I'm an artist, I just say two bands are talking with each other, and you know, one and they both sell approximately the same amount of amount of records. And one goes like, "Hey, I got a check from for, you know for Spotify sales for you know five grand." The other guy's, "I got a check for five hundred bucks." Like, well, there's a disparity there, and somebody needs to figure out why why that is. You know, it could be a lot of different things, but unfortunately, the music business is a business, and the bands. Like we, the bands don't work for us. We work for the bands, managers, agents, lawyers. We all work for the band. So the, and I tell every every band, like you gotta, there's gotta be at least one guy in the band that's a business person. It's watching out for your 
best interest. Because if you let everybody else do that, then you're, the odds of you getting screwed over are, are pretty good. And every major band from you know, U2 to Metallica to the Rolling Stones or whatever, they all have one guy in the band that watches over all the business stuff, and they make the bands make all the decisions. So, you know, some of it not to, you know, some of it, and saying that might just be because they didn't, you know, get the right deal and we were paying attention or whatever. You know, it's hard to say. Yeah, well, a lot of times we're also kind of on that cusp of where it just began. So if you sign well, three years ago, you didn't think much of streaming. So, bah, go, you know, the two years on, it's like, oh, now we can actually see some money come out of that. Sure. And it, look, it does really hurt the smaller bands. Smaller bands are hurt. Uh, you know, the bands that have been around a long time that aren't, you know, making new music get hurt. Uh, but really, you know, it is extremely difficult to, to break new artists these days, and it takes years. I mean, a great example in our world is, you know, Cattle Decapitation. I mean, it's taken us 15, 16, 17 years to finally get them to the point where they're really finally breaking through. It just takes a long time, a long That's time. That's amazing. I mean, especially when you look at back in time, 15, 16 years, they, bands had already done their, you know, uh, Came, uh, you went, know Rain and Blood yeah, and, exactly. and <laughs> Saw the Heaven. It's all behind them at 16 years. Yeah, it, it takes a lot longer now. It's really, really hard. That's that's probably the the most difficult thing about the business these days is, you know, trying to, trying to break new bands. You've got some awesome ones that you've signed over the last just few years i mean two of my favorites woven war hopefully with a new album later this year and good tiger that uh, had their self-release last year i think you guys released it on a sub-label this this year right yeah we did the we did the physical uh, on that record yes both awesome awesome albums so i mean you obviously still have the ear to the ground well, yeah, and I mean, I will say though, I am I probably more excited about about music in the last couple of years than I have been in, in a very long time. There's so many good new bands, and there's so much good music coming out. You know, new artists doing really cool stuff, and even the older bands doing great stuff. That you know, like I said, I'm super excited. There's you know, and it's a wide variety of things. Like you mentioned, Good Tiger, which is you know, kind of you know, more of a commercial sort of thing. But man, they're freaking amazing. I saw them live opening for Between the Barry and Me, and Freaking incredible musicians in that band too. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of that now. So I'm I'm really excited about the future in terms of that because I think there's so much good music being being put out these days. It's exciting times. I think it's just gotten so dense with so many different bands putting out so many different things. What do you see are some of the best ways for a band to kind of try to cut through and and get to that, or how do you do that? Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely not easy, but I mean, I mean you like know, Cattle Decapitation, you know, you put out a video with a guy getting a drill shoved up his ass, <laughs> you know, that's one way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't watch that video. Oh, God, <laughs> Even for me, it's a bit. It's a bit I'm so fun. done with Cattle Decapitation videos. I just can't do it <laughs> yeah. anymore. I'm done. I, uh, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with you on that. It's pretty brutal, but, uh, I mean, yeah, that's one way to do it, but I, I think, well, I mean, look, the bottom line is, you know, you obviously you've got to put out good music. I mean, that's really the, the, Step one. the crux of the situation. Yeah. Step one. Um, and, and, you know, you need to promote yourself however you can. I mean, social media is a phenomenal way and very easy and cheap way to get yourself out there. Just have a dialogue with your fans and, and you know, create that. Because fans love it. Like, if you're interacting with your favorite band, like, how fucking cool is that? I yeah. mean, you know, if you tweet yeah. them something and they tweet you back... Holy cow! I mean, that's just insane. I mean, even for me, like on Twitter, if I tweet like some sports guy or some you know somebody, and they tweet me back, I'm like, wow, cool! This guy just tweeted me back. This is amazing. You know, you won't believe it, Brian, but 
Chuck and I are talking to Brian Slagle right now. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. Well, <laughs> well, you got one that's coming. You've got another one that's coming out uh, in July that is one of my favorites. I love Revocation and have been a fan of Revocation for for a while. Right? They have always been one of those bands that I felt like was in that situation, putting out great music but never cut through. You know they they had they have a good core fan base, but now it seems like they're starting starting to see them peek around the corner a little bit and starting to grow into where you're talking about like the cattle cattle decapitation did. What do you think does that? You know what what finally breaks it? Well, I think in, the ter- in terms of like revocation, I mean they they've been around for a while, but we've only done the last couple of records, so I can't speak for the for for their previous stuff. Yeah. And you know I I don't know that I mean it was you know obviously they they did really well, but I think that they. You know, we have a great relationship with them. We love working with them. I think, you know, we've, we've hopefully helped them make good records and, and get out there. But, but it does take time. You know, they're right in that wheelhouse of a band that's been around for a while that people know, people have seen them, that people like them. And they're, like you said, they're just starting to turn the corner now. It's like, oh, these guys are, you know, really, you're seeing them more often. They're getting better. You know, they're getting maturing, getting better as players, getting better as writers. Um, they're really, really smart kids. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, they're, they're start, they're right at the cusp where we, we hope, uh, that this next record is the one that kind of gets them to that next level. They're getting there. I mean, every, every record is getting better and better. We're selling more every record and they're getting really close. And sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, maybe it's just the right tour or, um, you know, the, just something kind of falls out of the sky that just kind of gets everybody to pay attention to the band, whether it's a great video or whatever it may be, you know, you sometimes you just never know. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that too, like with Job for a Cowboy or some of those bands. You know, like I remember when when their you know when their EP came out, it was when somebody handed it to me in a parking lot, like a burned copy of it, and it just kind of did its own thing. And it's that seems to be getting harder to do now, where it's just a a flash and it and it hits and goes. And uh, there are not as many instances of that happening in the last five to ten years. Well, yeah, because you don't, you know, that job for Cowboy was all driven by MySpace. Yeah. MySpace became this huge thing, and for whatever reason, I'm not even still not even sure why or how, but just everybody, whether they were into that style of music or not, just latched onto this band and made them gigantic just from from the MySpace thing. And that's what clearly drove that and drove a lot of stuff. But we don't have that now. You've got you've got a lot of social media stuff you've got twitter and you've got facebook and you've got instagram and pinterest and snapchat and whatever it is but there's not one specific thing that's driving everything there's not one specific music vehicle to drive it so it's a little bit of everything so you're not i don't know that you'll see at least in the next few years you're going to see that flash of like all all of a sudden something is like everywhere because there's just too many things to coordinate. And, you know, people that are on Snapchat don't like Twitter, and people on Twitter don't like Snapchat, or people on Facebook are too old for Snapchat and Twitter, or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> or, do you, I mean, or do you see something like Spotify becoming that tastemaker? I hope so. I mean, I do think the one thing that, that we have noticed about Spotify is that there definitely are a lot of people. Look, I, you know, I, we could sit here and, and argue and bemoan the, the stealing of music and all this sort of stuff. But I try to look at it in the more positive aspect of like, the, but there's so much easy and free access to music. Music and it just music in general right now is bigger than it's ever been because the access to music is bigger than it's ever been. I mean, would Amon Amarth have, you know, videos that have 15 million views on YouTube without people being able to listen to stuff easily? Probably not. 
So, you know, and now Spotify has kind of taken over from a lot of the, you know, the file sharing sort of stuff where people go listen to it. And what that does do is it makes the band have to make a good record. You don't make a good record, there's really not a lot of incentive for people to buy it. And that, I think, is a good thing because really how this whole mess happened, in my opinion, is, you know, just bands started putting out terrible records in the, you know, whether in the 90s, whatever it was, where you'd hear one song, go, man, that song's amazing. You go buy a record for 20 bucks. And take it home and go, like, oh, it's the only good song on the record. The rest of this garbage. And after you do that a few times, you're like, I don't want to buy any more records. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. all junk. So now it has to be, it has to be good. I, I was just going to say, I'm still not sure that no matter how good an album is, that there's really any incentive to buy it. It seems like now it's like I'm doing it to, quote, unquote, support the band, but uh, I don't really need to do it. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, there's certainly a lot of people that, that will do it just to support a band, but there's also still... I mean, I talk to kids, I always love to talk to kids at any shows or, you know, even, you know, social media or whatever it is. And there's a lot of people that still want to hold something in their hand, whether it's a CD or, or, or vinyl. You know, vinyl's another thing that we haven't talked about that's, that's come back unbelievably massive now. And people who are buying it are listening to it. And, you, you know, you're getting the big thing of artwork. And, you know, another theory is, you know, all these, you know, a lot of kids are buying, you know, kids under the age of 25 or 27 or whatever. And, you know, they grew up, you know, with little earbuds and little computer speakers, and you never really had that big, thick, you know, sound of music. Like, you get on, you know, with a, a turntable and a, and a decent pair of speakers, it's almost like being in a live show. And people are realizing, like, wow, this stuff sounds really good. Music sounds really good when you do it this way. So a lot of people still want to have something in their hands, whether it's a CD or, or vinyl or, or whatever it is. And that, especially metal kids, want, want that. So hopefully they'll continue to do that. Um, but yeah, you're right. There definitely are a lot of people that, that you know don't have to. Buy. You certainly don't have to. You could just you know listen to it on Spotify all day long if you wanted to. But yeah, see, I'm still I'm still a media guy, you know. But but I'm I feel like I'm an old fart in this in this industry. So you know, I, to I me still it want feels like <laughs> to me it feels like whatever the the delivery vehicle is, if it's a physical product, it ends up being just a tchotchke. You could have a download code on the back of a T-shirt or on the back of a bobblehead or anything. It doesn't need to be a record or a CD. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're totally right. And look, the D2C stuff, which is another massive part of, of what we do. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it, the CD is almost a throw-in. It's like, you know, here's a gigantic, you know, more and more, there's a gigantic, you know, Viking ship and a T-shirt and a sticker and all this sort of stuff. And you also get the CD with it. So it becomes more about, you know, cool merchandising and stuff. And the CD and the music almost becomes secondary. But... You're still, again, back to my point about the brand, is you're building this brand. You're building something people want. You're putting cool things out there that people want to do. And it's all, I mean, it's all related to music. I mean, back in the 70s, you know, album, album artwork and album covers were insane. I mean, people were putting, you know, Alice Cooper's putting panties in, in albums. And, <laughs> you know, kids are putting little toy guns in there and all sorts of crazy stuff to get people to buy it. So, you know, that's the 70s, and here we are 40 years later, and it hasn't, changed a whole lot it's just a, a different vehicle and a different way to get cool things for so people buy and listen to music man it seems like you should be just like licensing the brand on anything i mean I, that sounds like fun i mean i'm not i'm a total kiss fan proponent of the idea yeah i mean sure <laughs> but you, you know you have to find willing partners for that sort of stuff i, I, I don't know i mean at some point you, you can be overkill and you, you have to do the right you, you do have to do the right sort of things because again you know, fans are savvy. Fans know what's going on. If you put out a package of just junk, people, 
not to, like they're just going to buy it to buy it. You know, you still have to put out quality stuff no matter what it is. Yeah, you're not going to, and two, it's got to also kind of blend with the brand. You're not going to have, you know, Cannibal Corpse breakfast cereal or anything like that. You know, it's oh, got to be awesome, dude. Uh, it would be kind of cool. Come on, man. That would be awesome. That's a good idea. It turns the milk blood red, you know. Uh, but, I mean, you know, it, it could be, so, but it's got to kind of match the brand of the uh, of the band as well, whatever you sure. do as well. Because then otherwise you're just diluting it. Sure. And it has to, you know, and honestly, you know, the, it has to come from the bands and be part of yeah. whatever they're doing. So, you know, it's not just, you know, it's not just marketing, you know, some marketing group up there going do this and people will buy it. It's like, I mean, you know, the bands have to be involved and have to be be part of the whole process, too. People see through that if it's not, I think. Yeah, totally. Hey, Brian, one of the probably the most amazing and craziest story in metal news over the last five years was the As I Lay Dying Tim Lambesis story. Have you talked to Tim? How is he doing? I don't think anybody's allowed to talk to him. <laughs> Maybe his family. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, we. I don't know. I, I'm sure his family has some sort of visiting rights, but uh, yeah, I have no idea. What was your last communication with him? Uh, we spoke. When did we speak? We we were talking about. I'm trying to remember what exactly. I think we were talking about the Austrian death machine thing, and it was kind of you know like it's just it's it kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so have whole, you like called the. F- have you called the family at all and go, hey, how's everything going? Anything like that? No, it got it got really weird at the end with everybody. Um, it's a long story, but uh, all I'll say is, you know, I, this is our we're, next year is our thirty fifth year of doing this metal play. So prior to that, we'd had two people arrested. One was the singer from Olman in the eighties. He got drunk and had a cop in Texas. <laughs> and the second one was uh, Mr. Dave Brocky, who you played earlier. He got arrested in North Carolina for wearing the Cuttlefish of Cthulhu, his little yeah, phallic penis thing. And that's it. So, I mean, we consider all the craziness that goes on in the music business and everything else. But we were really lucky that, I mean, we never dealt with anybody that had any problems, ever got arrested. And then we kind of hit the mother load with that one. So, yeah. Like back in yeah. late November, I, I wrote him a letter just to say... Hey, Christmas is coming. I don't know what communicate. I don't know whether he gets a million pieces of fan mail every day, or if everybody doesn't know he exists. Now, was that right to do or wrong to do? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's any right or wrong. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, he did something he shouldn't have done, and right now he's he's paying his his penance for that. I, you know, I hope just as a human being, I hope that he, when he comes out, he's able to to get himself together because clearly he was not together when all this stuff was going on. Yeah. So, you know, but I don't think anything's right or wrong. I mean, look, people still people still buying Asley Dying Records. I mean, a lot of people are fans of his, and, you know, I think we all kind of hope that, you know, when he comes out, he's, he's you know, the old Tim that we knew a long time ago and not whatever that, whatever became of him towards the end there. You must have seen that happen a lot. I mean, especially with people you've had relationships with for 30-odd years. You know, is Kerry King... Exactly the same Carrie King as he was in 1985, you know? Well, pretty much. I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> like the Metallica dudes, I mean, I've known, I've known Lars probably longer than anybody. I've known him since 1980. And, I mean, he's pretty much the same guy. We get together and we're like, you know, 17-year-old kids talking about music together or whatever. I mean, Carrie's another, you know, Carrie's one of my really, really good friends. And you know, we hang out all the time. And, 
I, he hasn't really changed a whole heck of a lot from from the early days. I mean, the only, he maybe eats a, a eats a little bit more interesting things than he used to only eat cheeseburgers. Now at least eat a few things here and there, but but they're predominantly the same people. But I have seen you know you do see. You know, you do see every once in a while people, fame definitely can affect people. And I've seen fame affect, you know, people, not necessarily, uh, you know, not necessarily even people that we work with, but, you know, friends, you're, you know, and other, other bands that I'm friends with and you see stuff happen. I mean, Ax- Axl Rose, you know, I mean, he was super great, cool, down-to-earth guy for a long period of time, and then fame just messed him up. Uh, so it happens. Certainly not in any level to the level of in my people. So that's yeah. a whole that's a whole other level of craziness. Like when we talked to Tom Mariah, uh, what was it uh, last year? I guess it was. Like we almost got him to cry. It was awesome, right? Like so when we talked to Carrie King in a few weeks, like can you hook us up? What's the story we could like ask him about? It's going to make him cry. Oh wow, that's a good one. Well, he's a big animal guy, so I think if you you know if you bring up some some sobby animal story, that that might be possible. Uh, certainly, if you talk about how terrible the Raiders are, that that may make him cry too. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big Raider fan. Otherwise, I don't know. The animal stuff might get to him. That, that's that's the only thing I can think of that you might you might pull some heartstrings. But it's funny because. People look at him, you know, I mean, look, he looks like, you know, he's this mean, crazy dude. But, I mean, honestly, he's like such a nice, I mean, you guys have, you know, met him before. He's like the sweetest guy in the world. So, pretty funny. So, yeah, it might not be as hard as you think. All right. So, puppies, uh, okay, puppies and kitties. All right. I'll have to come up with something. All right, cool. Get some some sad animal stories in there. That that might uh, might affect it. A little Sarah McLaughlin in the background. All right. Well, it's totally a win. (laughs) That might completely ruin it, though. Oh, damn. (laughs) That'll just just piss him off. (laughs) Right. Brian, uh, dude, I've got to take this opportunity to thank you for, like, I I don't know, like dozens and dozens and dozens of my favorite albums. And in particular, I am like still head over heels for uh thought industry i always love their catalog yeah. never understood why that never took off and loved and i still love anna Cruz's quite a bit so i thank you for for bringing that to us oh my pleasure i mean i love 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 both of those bands they're just way ahead of their time way ahead yeah. of especially thought industry which is so far and it's really it's so funny how over the course of, of time things that when they first came out people were like what is this i don't really get it and then all of a sudden like those two bands you just mentioned, I would say in the last, I don't know, three or four years, those bands come up so much, like on social media or just people ask me whatever happened to them. Like there's a long period of time where like you, you would never hear about them and all of a sudden it comes up. You know, another great example is the band Sear the Ungle who existed in, in the early 80s with everybody else, Italian Slayer and stuff. But people back then just thought they're this weird hippie band from Ventura that released a couple of like kind of proggy albums. They're like legend. Completely underground legends now, especially in Europe. The whole point—they're way bigger now than they ever were when they when they first came out. So, well, dude, it's uh, looking like it's going to be another great year for Metal Blade Man, and uh, and a lot of great releases coming down. So. We appreciate you taking the time talking to us, uh, and I, I want to pick your brain again at some point. Well, we, we're going to have to talk to you again. Like you got to, you got to realize, Brian, we 35. had sheets and sheets yeah, and sheets of questions, and and we're just hitting you with scattershot because we're like not even sure. Like, there's so much we want to ask you that we're not even sure how to like focus and organize it. <laughs> Anytime, man. I mean, please, uh, you know, it's it's 
No problem. And thank you know, thank you guys for all the support you guys give us and all the metal stuff. It's greatly appreciated. Let's hear something newer from the Metal Blade catalog. Song from the band Abnormality Synthetic Pathogenesis on the Metal Sucks podcast.
you love listening to podcasts, that's why you're listening to your favorite one right now. How about streaming music? Goes without saying, right? What happens when you combine one of the internet's premier streaming audio sites and your favorite Jabberjaw Media podcast? Gold, I tell you. Check out Adobe.com for some great streaming music, and every single Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m. is the Jabberjaw Media Block, featuring the Modern Vinyl Podcast and Break It Down with Matt Carter. That's just the beginning. Adobe will be bringing you more of what you want, great music, and great podcasts powered by Jabberjaw Media. That's I-D-O-B-I, Adobe.com.
Music from Norma Jean right there. One million watts. We had 50,000 watts. Now we have one million watts. Fuck you, Clutch. Norma Jean <laughs> takes it, takes it, and just blows it out of the water, man. Their latest single on the uh, Metal Sucks podcast. Yeah, isn't that sort of like that uh, scene from, uh, there's something about Mary where he's like, oh, but what what happens when somebody does six-minute acts? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, well, hey, I'm just going to see it and raise it and whatever, whatever it takes, man. 38, 39. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I told you what that interview. Uh, we're we're a couple of goofballs. Okay, so I just got to say, I'm so glad I was able to ask him about Anacrusis and Thought Industry because if you were to ask me like top five greatest bands that were ever on Metal Blade, like those two would be right top of the list. I just find so, it funny that we're just such home Homer Homers. Oh, you know, what I mean, really, because. But he's like one of those, like you said, one of the dream industry guys that you want to talk to. Because, I mean, he's I think he's still to this day, even though some of the bands that, 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 you know, are here and there. It's like he's willing to take a chance on stuff that may not may not float everybody's boat. You know, you know, what I'm saying he's willing to put himself out there. And I think that's that's kick ass, you know, and there's not a lot of people that I'm I think are willing to put their rep on the line like that for anything. And and he's one of those dudes that doesn't have to. He just keeps doing it, yeah. man. You know, it's and it's were cool. Were you surprised so. that? Were you surprised that he said he hasn't talked to Tim Lambesis? Uh, no, not really. I mean, especially after talking to um, uh, Scott from from Carnifex and Carnifex. you know you know then hearing kind of the same thing. So it wasn't. It didn't seem that surprising to me. But you know, I, I, I'm I'm interested to see if he's going to be that guy that makes that happen later on. You know what I'm saying? It's like because you could tell he was a little weird about the whole Austrian death machine thing. But I, I'm just curious if he's going to be the guy that gets the redemption tour or not, or and gets that. You know what I'm saying? If if he helps him turn that corner. But I don't know. Yeah, or whether or the, whether Tim goes to like some church and the church has its label and they try to buy him out of the Metal Blade contract and. You know, maybe that's maybe that's what Slagle's open for. Like, you know, Tim gets out, Tim's able to find another label that'll buy out the contract. And, uh, who knows? And, you know, uh, I think he's got the better band now anyway, because, you know, I can't wait for that next Woven War record. No, nah, that is true. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with all that stuff. But, you know, mm. I don't know, man. <sighs> so you're getting you, you mentioned this before we started that you're getting <laughs> fitted for a tuxedo. Oh, dude. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. I've got to get I've got to get all my measurements and shit done. And I, did you like plan for like weeks like you know just like fast and no, you know maybe you know, wake up a little early and go jogging? Dude, or, it was one of those things where it's like I need to lose a little weight before I go get fitted for a tuxedo. And then I was like, yeah. well, wait, actually, you know, if I gain a little weight before I go fitted, get fitted for a tuxedo, <laughs> it'll feel small if I lose anything. So it'll be great, you know, because <laughs> the last thing you want is to like have a small tuxedo and gain a little weight and then you got then you're like bursting out of the fucking thing so yeah no yeah, but, uh, but then I, you're motivated to, to keep the weight off you know that's, and keeps not, you from- that's not how i work i got two i have two buckets of t-shirts that i saved that i too fucking fat to fit into but i <laughs> so i'm just like i'll take them out of my closet roll them up put them in a bin all right i'll save them for when i lose some weight and i look at these two bins of t-shirts going ah i got a wardrobe for like the entire apocalypse that I can't <laughs> fucking wear, and it's not motivating me to lose twenty pounds. You know, it's like, uh, oh well, so be it. Huh. Uh, it is what it is. But yeah, no, I got to get like the, fitted for a the only thing that motiv- yeah. You know, the only thing that motivates you to lose weight is when you have that annual radio station contest. Money, fucking money, dude. That's the only thing that gets me motivated about anything, yeah, man. But but you're saving money because you're not eating so much. You'd be saving money because <sighs> you're you're yeah. you're not, uh, you know. 
less like fabric the for the tuxedo. No, they don't have to go to the tent maker to get me a fucking coat. Yeah, yeah, it does it does make a difference a little bit? No, I I, I don't know, man. It's just so. What is this? What is this tuxedo for? Well, actually, the tuxedo's for two different things. It's going to serve Ooh. dual purpose. You're uh, in demand. I am in demand, actually, but but. Um, have we talked about me singing barbershop music on, on the have yeah. We, yeah, we talked uh-huh. about that, right? Okay, so yeah, this we is talked about that. My first performance is coming up in about a month. So, yeah. so going to be singing in a barbershop show uh, coming up in about a month. So, I got to have the uniform. The uniform is a tuxedo with a red tie and all that stuff. So, I got to have it for that. <laughs> but then also on top of it, my, my buddy of mine from college hit me up, um, you know, and he is getting married. And he's like, hey, man, just out of curiosity, uh, are you ordained? Can you marry people? And this is not the first time that I've had somebody actually ask me this. I had some fans of uh, No Control Radio, my radio show here in Austin. Uh, I've had them hit me up before and ask me the same question. I'm like, no, you know, I never no, I thought about it, but no, I just haven't, haven't ever done it and, and whatever. But now I am officially ordained so I can marry people. Oh. So, so did yeah. you do that online or how's that work? Fuck yeah, you do. You do it online. <laughs> it's uh, you, you know, like 30 bucks. Uh, I actually, I think I did it for free and the certificate in the mail is 30 bucks or whatever. Oh, but yeah. so, but, but yeah, it's like it, I'm, I'm totally ordained now so I can legally marry people uh, and uh, it's, I'm going to be the mental minister. It's going to be great. Do you have like a, a plan for like, you know, what the, the, like, uh, you know the things you're going to say, or do you, or do you got a script that's been supplied? Well, I'm kind of waiting actually because I'm going to see. Uh, th- this will be my first one. This is my buddy, my buddy Ernesto from from college. Like I've I've known him for almost 20 years, and another friend of mine that are getting married in uh, sometime in October or whatever. So I've got a few months to actually kind of plan it out. But I'm hoping, at least I'm hoping these two uh, will write their own vows. So make it easy on me and they'll write their own vows and they can say it to each other or whatever. But, you know, I mean, I've, I, it's funny because I, I don't get, you know, I can talk in a microphone and uh, talk in front of people and I've kind of gotten used to that and, and don't get too shy about it. But then I'm starting to already like obsess about this and start to think about like, well, shit, this is like the rest of their lives. If I fuck this up, man, <laughs> this is going to be bad. I was like, oh, you're going to set the bar so low. So that way it just goes okay and that way you didn't screw anything up and everything's cool that is that how your approach is going to be no i actually i think i'm going to i think i'm going to like really try to make sure that this is good and over the top so not over the top but i want to make sure because these two people are are really good people and they're and they're special to me and there's a reason why they asked me to do this and i'm hoping that it was you know because they like me and stuff so it's uh i want to make sure that it's special for them so you know what i'm saying it's like yeah, and then if I also get a good if I if it does well, it's a nice pattern that I can kind of set. You know, you start down a path that'll work. Now I'll be ready to marry you know metalheads on the seventy thousand tons of metal ship and shit. And I'll be I'll be I'll be ready to fucking go, dude. We we can we can rock this shit out. It'll be badass. <laughs> it is pretty cool. I'm just thinking like when I got re uh, like my wife and I got married a second time, right? Uh, and we you got did remarried. The kiss thing, out- right? Yeah, yeah, we went to the hot the Kiss Wedding Chapel in Vegas. Yeah, and, yeah, you and talked about it before. It's, yeah, we got the, the the Paul Stanley impersonator, but like when he did the whole thing, he did it like all in character, and he had all these really great Kiss song puns, you know, about, do you promise to put the X in sex? You know, that sort of thing. And I mean, it was great. So I'm just picturing, you know, like all these like Dio puns and stuff you could do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the best part about it is if they're really well done, like, you know, mom isn't going to know, you know? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I think, okay, so th- 
but that that's a difference like the, the couple that asked me this time around to, to marry them they're not i wouldn't consider i'd say they're they're metalheads but but really you know this is about being a friend of theirs and and all that stuff and somebody who's a good speaker and that sort of thing so i don't know that it's entirely tied to like the metal part but I don't know, maybe you know, Steph would probably get in some of that. Yeah, she'd probably be down with that. That'd be kind of fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's uh-huh. a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do okay. Get, do, does the minister or whatever your title is, do you get invited to the uh, uh, bachelor party? Um, I don't think so, but I probably will be. I hope so. <laughs> Come on, man. It'll be good. It uh, seems like, I don't know what happened. Like, you get older and, like, all of a sudden – Everybody's bachelor parties get lame. It's it's kind of weak. Well, <laughs> you, know? you know, I mean, but but, but what's a good bachelor? We'll go party? get our hair. We're gonna get our hair cut, man. <laughs> we're gonna get. We're gonna have beer and get our hair cut. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Like, does, oh, I mean, but what great, makes a, what really makes a good bachelor party? I mean, really, no memory. <laughs> well, okay, that's true. But if you have no memory of it, then why does it matter what the hell you do? Uh, that's a good question. You know, so, I, I guess because the, fortunately there are cell phone cameras now. That is I true. I am at, oh dude, I'm so fucking glad that I had my bachelor party with like in, in 2000 when nobody uh when nobody had they had flip phones that you couldn't save more than like 2 meg to, you know. It's like they, there's no way it's you're getting blurry and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no way you're getting video of that. One fucking flash from a strobe at a strip club and the camera's gone. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only a couple of still photos of me with like a stripper sitting on my face or some shit. I think there might be a couple of those floating around. But, but other than that, yeah, I mean, now, God, dude, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Dude. Uh, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I think that goes for almost everything that I did in the uh, '90s. So, yeah, glad I don't have a physical record of most of that shit. So. I don't know. It should be interesting, though. Uh, and then hopefully, like I said, you know, you never know. I'll be become the metal minister. I can start, you know, uh, marrying people at festivals and shit, and it'll be a, it'll be a good thing. page. I like the idea. I like what you're saying with the idea of turning like some good good ass lyrics into into some, you know, like embedding it with the uh, with with metal mutiny. I think that would be. I think that'd be pretty good. I think so too. I mean, there's plenty of like you know you could do classic, you could do you know yeah, new metal. Totally. You, could, you know you got all sorts of different versions that people can choose from. Well, you, know? you find out what their favorite band is, and you work in lyrics from their favorite there bands. You, you know, yeah. shit like that. You know, I, I think that could be totally uh, totally worthwhile. Huh. All right, I think we got a little business model going on here. <laughs> Maybe if we get people to donate to the Patreon, we can uh, you know fly me out and I can marry you. Uh, there you if go. If anybody has any objections, please form a mosh pit in the back of the room. <laughs> and that, no, do the mosh pit anyway. Mosh pit, come on, circle bit, circle bit. All right, I want to see. All right, everybody, we're going to move on up to the front. Move your ass up to the front. Come on, let's do this. Yeah, circle pit. Oh, dude. Oh, we could have some fun. Yeah, so that'd be kind of fun. Uh, yeah, no, I think we should make that a reward the wall on Patreon. Of wed. The wall of wed? The, the, the wall of wed yeah. lock. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's a pretty bad pun. Uh, that's, yeah, see, we don't want to go that far. We need to like have... <laughs> that sounds like an Eddie Trunk wedding. We need to, we need to go a little uh, le- less punny, you know? So. Yeah, there you go. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this show up, dude. Uh, let's see. Uh, I mentioned our Patreon. Make sure that you are subscribed to us, chuckinggodless.com. You go there, you can check it out. You can check out all of our rewards that we have set up, man. When you get our podcast early, you can uh, get special stuff that we do, whether it's uh, in-depth interviews. We have little pieces left over. I give you some outtakes of the revocation one. Uh, Godless has got an extra show that he's doing with his son, which is pretty kick-ass. 
Uh, so you got episode two of that going up. Uh, a lot of things for you to check out there. And, you know, you can also, if you look, you know, if you scroll down a little bit, there's some ways that you can get your business or anything mentioned on this podcast. So you might want to check that out, too, while you're there. Yeah, if you got a t-shirt company, maybe, you know, you got a, uh, or you're printing, because we've got lots of musicians listening, and, you know, you want people to know that they can get their shirts made with you. Yeah, or, stuff like that, you know, that'd be, yeah. a, it'd be a good thing. So there's a lot of different uh, variety of things for you to check out there at ChalkingGodless.com. you want people to know about, or, yeah. yeah. You can find us on uh, social media. I am at Bearded Ape. I'm at Godless Speaks, Godless Speaks on Facebook, Spotify, and now Twitch. And Instagram at Chuck and Godless, so find us in all those fine places. And, of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. That way, the Metal Sucks podcast will come directly to you, and you can get it every single week. We post it on Mondays at MetalSucks.net. Click on the podcast tab, find all of our podcasts from the history, the long three-year history of this podcast. You can download them all right there at MetalSucks.net. So until next week, I am Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is another episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast. been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.